everything you love about Monday, a trip to Bantertown. John and Johnny oh, talk about that. Oh, you haven't taken us to Bantertown in a long time. It's been a long time. If you're a new listener. That's like, yeah, you're completely flummoxed by that term. Yeah. And by flummoxed. That's a great word. Think? Yeah. You're the writer. Am I? Yeah. Johnny, you're a writer, too. I do. I write things. You know, uh, you should go back in time, listener, and listen to some old school we used to talk about Bantertown, which was, we thought about starting a podcast network called Bantertown. <laughs> <laughs> so we have one podcast and you think we should have a whole network. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think we have enough. It seems people. like a lot of work. Yeah. I wonder who out there would want their podcast on our network. Huh. That's an interesting thought. We only think about getting our podcast on someone else's network. Yeah, what happened to reach down and, like, when you when you get to the top on the elevator, you send it back down for the next person, John. What happened to that? Well, we haven't got anywhere near the top. Yeah. I mean, like, we're still on ground floor. Actually, Johnny, we had more downloads. By, like, it was our record month in uh, June. And not just because there was five Mondays. I'm not counting that fifth Monday. Like, just in general, out of four episodes, yeah. we uh, had the most downloads by far, so... That's good. Let's do it again in July. I mean, we got nothing else to do. (laughs) I'm not going anywhere. I'll be curious how many people are sharing with friends and then are talking about the podcast. I think we have a lot of people who this is their guilty pleasure and they're like, they don't want anyone to know about it. You think so? Keep it secret. Yeah. It's like we're real housewives of whatever. If If we are someone's real housewives, like they're far removed from mainstream culture yeah i don't know <laughs> two what, ugly do, white do you, dudes do you have guilty pleasure like show that you watch that's like you're like oh this is why do i watch this show john bring it out i mean Confess the office to, is my that's not a guilty pleasure it's not a, i would I'll say guilty pleasure is like a show with like vapid characters that's like trash tv that you watch then you're like why do i watch this show not like it's sin no, but it's like laura has over the years Oh, so you're willing to throw her right under oh, the bus? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't have any guilty play. Laura is just rife with them, though. I don't. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't get like stupid reality television. I'm calling it that. I understand? I think you watch a lot of dumb things, but you don't feel guilty about it. I watch dumb it. things. That you're are, like, why would I feel guilty? I watch dumb things that are dumb on purpose. Yeah. When someone's being dumb on accident and we all enjoy it, that really bothers me. Really? Yeah. Like, dumb on accident for our amusement. I like dumb on accident with arrogance. Yes. that See, that bothers me, though. That's when somebody's like, I think, I think what you mean is, and they're terribly wrong. Mm. That's funny to me. It is very funny, but then when we give that person like 10 seasons and act like that they now speak in the culture. Oh, you're talking about reality television. Yeah. like yeah. I'm talking about like a show that's scripted that way. When you were dumb and we elevated you for it, at first we laughed at yeah. you. Then we laughed with you. And now you're laughing at us because you're making billions. Man, that will preach. Wow. Come on, guys. First you up. laugh at sin. Then. Come on, guys. Sin. What is it? Laughs at you. Wait, no. Wait, sin no, at the end laughs First at you. First you laugh with sin. Mm-hmm. No, at sin. At sin. Then you laugh uh, with, with sin, sin. And then sin laughs at you. Wait. All the way to the bank. The sin bank. The sin bank. <laughs> <laughs> Member FDIC. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm trying to think. What would be my guilty pleasure? I don't know. You know what I was thinking? Uh, we were talking about this at lunch, but like I'm having a... There's, we're so divided... Like on everything, like if you, all you got to do is tweet out, I like avocados mm-hmm. and you will get 42 reply tweets that tell you that you're an idiot and avocado is the worst thing. Right. Just for having an opinion about something as benign as avocados. Yeah. And that if it's for that reason, I'm having a hard time with end times theology because we're supposed to get behind, like all the people in the world get behind the antichrist, right? He snows everybody, but I can't foresee a world that someone is going to skate by and not have a Twitter troll or not have a, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who do you think is the closest thing to a universally beloved person right now in the world? <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking Tom Hanks. You don't hear anybody say bad things about Tom Hanks. I think the conservatives would take down Tom Hanks in a heartbeat. Really? Oh, yeah. No, I know everybody loves Tom Hanks. I don't I, know. Everybody on every of but every you have stripe, the, but you have you have a lot of far right who feel like anybody in Hollywood. 
He's been Hollywood eyes, but yeah, but he makes uh, family friendly movies that they can watch with their. And he makes kids. war movies too. Yeah, apparently there's a new one coming out on Apple Plus. I think that's a Tom Hanks war movie. Yeah, he's at war. He wrote it. Oh, okay, but he's like too no, old he's to be in, in it. it. No, he's in it. Oh wow, because he's pretty old. I just saw to it. still be fighting in wars. I just saw it. I got a free Apple Plus subscription for a year. Don't forget to cancel it. That's how they get you, John. Uh, here wow, it is. These Apple Plus people. Yeah, it's uh, and I haven't watched anything on Apple Plus yet, but it's called. I watched one show on Apple Plus. I can't remember. It was called uh, Servant, and it's creepy, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's creepy. Well, I can't. Oh, You'll... it's called Greyhound. Yeah. Okay. It's a World War Two about a bus. No, I don't okay. know why it's called Greyhound, but it looks like a naval battle. So, see, can you see that? From yeah. You? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Looks Greyhound. Like, looks like he's one of the... This sounds like something you're making up. No, you can see him. He's got I a, know, but okay. you've got Photoshop. <laughs> That's true. I Photoshopped this right before we went on the air. <laughs> anyway, have, to me, yeah. my choice would be Tom Hanks. Back in the day, it would have been Oprah, probably. But then she kind of has fallen out of favor with some people, I guess, yeah. or whatever. Billy Graham. People used to really like Billy Graham. That's true. On both sides. There's a lot of respect for him regardless. Yeah, even if you didn't believe... Uh, yeah. In Christianity, you'd be like, "Was that Billy Graham solid?" I wonder. I wonder if, if like, staunch Democrats hated Ronald Reagan during his administration. You kind of feel like he. Well, he was. Yeah, you had Reagan Democrats. You had a lot of people who yeah. considered themselves. Uh, they flipped, which mm-hmm. really hasn't really happened since, right? No, you didn't see that happen. People were so people are so entrenched now. They they vote along uh, party lines, but. Reagan made people flip. I mean, didn't he win like 48 states out of 50 against yeah. Mondale? Yeah, it was still one of the best debate moments of all time. Is they were coming after him about his age. Oh, yeah. You know, and he just, I've watched the documentaries on it because he was so masterful. And he basically, he just said, you know, I, I agree with this whole age issue, but I do not think that we should hold my opponent accountable for, how for his inexperience. He yeah, yeah. His inexperienced youth. The whole room <laughs> erupted, including Mondale. Yeah. That was the crazy part. Oh yeah. When you get, when they, when he gets you laughing at mm-hmm. a joke that is at your expense oh. and it was your talking point. Yep. Is that Reagan's too old? Oh, it's almost it's like, it's like, it's yeah. like you know let's what? just have the election now. It's over. Guys, give it to him. He deserves it. Yeah. Like it, and Reagan picks up a glass of water and takes a drink or afterwards. And, and the commentator's like, game set match like he knew he's yeah like, i got well see ya i just i just became president yeah, that's like in a set like in a comedy set when you have a joke that is your get water joke uh i'm famous uh, for not drinking a lot in my set not famous for but i like if you're in the if you're in the comedy if you're a friend of mine in comedy you know that like i don't like stopping the bus at all to look at the road like i'm just like go 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 yeah. so i'm even afraid to drink water on stage sometimes because I hate, like, stopping. Because I always have this, like, tick that they're, like, being like, get off the stage the minute I stop talking. <laughs> but if I do take a drink of water, it's always after a huge line like that where you know yeah, a hundred times out of a hundred, it gets a big laugh. And it gives you enough time to get to the water. And, and that's what Reagan did. He was just like, when I drop this bomb, I'm going to have a sip. Surely he thought of it beforehand, obviously. Surely he was ready for that. Yeah, yeah. Because you knew it was going to come up. Right. But the guy, he just destroyed, just destroyed him. But I, would, I do wonder if Reagan, if he was, you know, beloved. Of course, we had, like we said last week, we have that. Well, by the end of his, by the end of his second term, he had the Iran Contra, yeah. and you had he had his own scandals, and he was kind of, he was starting to lose his memory, or he was choosing to not remember. He was misremembering things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think in the Iran Contra hearings, didn't he answer to like? It's like 30% of the questions he answered, I can't recall, or whatever. And it was a way of kind of, yeah. it's almost like pleading the fifth. Well, yeah, you don't have to incriminate yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, again, it's going to be hard. Hollywood or politics, either one, is going to be very polarizing. Well, that's the old saying, right? You either uh, die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. Isn't that from hmm. Dark Knight? Wow, the that, Dark Knight? I didn't. I thought you were going to quote Shakespeare. It was about, well, it might have been, but I'm saying, like, I know it was a line in The Dark Knight, right? Because it was about uh, Two-Face. Because mm. he was the beloved mayor or whatever, and then he ended up, mm. he ended up being the, being the villain. Isn't there a Two-Face inside of all of us, Johnny? hundred percent. You flip a coin. Well, 50%. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Part of me agrees with you. Dark Knight is a surprisingly um, 
layered yeah. movie, like surprisingly well layered. I mean, it you know for a superhero mm-hmm. type fantasy, it really delves into a lot of things. I only have one hang up about it, and that is that I noticed when I watched it for the second time that Batman uses the Batman voice even when he's around people who know he's Batman. Like he does the... But isn't the whole idea that he actually becomes Batman? I don't, I don't buy that. Like that he actually has... Isn't that part of the tension? There's, there's, Where there's, is he? There's Bruce you know. Wayne and then there's Batman. And You're like, look, I know who you are, Bruce. He fights against Stop himself. Stop saying where is he? You startled me. I hate. I did hate yeah. this particular actor's Batman voice. I hated it. You hated Bale's? Christian Bale? Yes. You had his Batman voice. Yes. It just is too... Well, he's really the only one that's done <laughs> that. Like, it's just so... <laughs> it's just so much. Like, I don't know. It had a little Springsteen in it. It's too, it's too gravelly. Yeah. You just you just go... <laughs> what you want is from superheroes... What if it was just like a, hey, y'all. It's just he... <laughs> why couldn't... Me. Yeah, why couldn't it be another... <laughs> why does it have to be a tougher voice? No kidding. You could throw somebody off the scent just by being Absolutely. like... I think we're going to go get the Joker, y'all. <laughs> be like, well... I know it's not Bruce Wayne because I've heard him. That's not put that to rest. Oh man, That's... Riddler's out there, y'all. <laughs> That's good. That would that would you're right. That would surprise everybody. Uh huh. Yeah. Maybe we should make our own superhero that we turn all of the rules on their head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's uh, he's a very demure Southern man. Yeah. When he's in character. That's kind of what it's got Superman, like overalls. That's what Superman kind of did. Yeah. But you know, you have to have that, that suspension of dis wait. Suspension, suspension of, of disbelief. disbelief. That you somehow could could know that Clark Kent, though he looks exactly mm-hmm. like Superman with right. glasses. Yeah. But nothing else. Right. Like that you know, he he didn't what? He didn't wear a mask. Were the glasses prescription? Because, I mean, wouldn't that mess up your eyes if you're just wearing that for a disguise? Maybe they were just clear glass. And he had laser vision, and you're worried about his eyes? Well, yeah. Like He, he could do LASIK. On himself. Somehow. He looked in a mirror and gave looked himself LASIK. Looked in a mirror LASIK. and gave himself LASIK. No more glasses. <laughs> That's an episode we didn't see. That's a part of the comics that we didn't, that universe. But how the most famous superhero, we could all just buy that. Like, well, nobody. I mean, there have been people saying that for years. Oh, can Lois know, fall for this? But yeah, I don't know. I look different with glasses on for sure. Uh, I have glasses, but I hardly ever wear them. That's you probably even forgot that I wear glasses because no, I, I never wear them. I mean, I don't say I forgot. It's I'm not, supposed to it's wear them. something I think about. A I'm lot. supposed to wear them to drive, and but I can't keep them in the car because it especially it can damage the glasses. Evidently, why you keep the heat can damage the lenses? Really. So you're not supposed to keep prescription glasses in your car. And so because of that, I just don't wear them. <laughs> Johnny, there has to be another way. Like put them in like your... Like a cooler? Put them I need in like a backpack. I need to put them in a... Yeah, but that's still... Just carry your backpack. It's still hot that's in the That's how I live with... But I don't carry my backpack everywhere. You don't take your backpack inside when you park? I wonder if I put them in like the little console thing, if that would be enough shade and, and protection from the heat. I need a, like a cooler. I feel like you haven't thought this out for a guy who's been wearing glasses for like two years now. Well... If you add it all up, I've probably worn glasses for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> so two years is a stretch. Again, I haven't given in to it. My eyes are still pretty strong. Uh, You've not given in? So you're well, starting to lose your vision. No, no. What I've noticed is as long as Do you times, know that I'm in here right now? Be honest. Who goes there? Uh, speaking of, by the way, it's Brutus's 15th birthday today. We talked about him being blind yeah. last episode. Yeah. Blinding. Wait, I got a blind, notification. He's going blind. He's not blinding. That would be. <laughs> He's so bright you can't look at him. No, I, I went to the eye doctor and I was just like, hey, you know, occasionally when I really stare at a screen all day, and they're yeah. like, well, we could give you these glasses, right. And that would help that, mm-hmm. but then you're going to need them, right? So you might just stare at the screen less. I was like, okay, so that's what I do. There but Laura, a- she can't read my phone now. Like we were, we were driving to Arkansas this weekend uh-huh. for a family thing. So close-up stuff gets blurry to well, her. She's looking at her phone, oh. which is an 11, and she's reading it just fine with no glasses. Hmm. And then I was like, hey, could you read this text to me? I think a text just came in. Hand it to her. She's like, hold on. She starts rummaging through her maraca purse to get out glasses. Has she got and the I'm zoomed like, in text on hers? She's apparently made bigger text on her oh, bigger okay. phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was like, you were just reading a phone. I just can't, you know. It's like, remember when your mom got the giant print Bible? Yes. Remember those when they came out? Oh, yeah. Gigantic. It made the, it was an even heavier Bible, yeah. Somehow, because it just needed more room on the page, mm. and and that just like our lives. 
but yeah, it's like that. You can do that with your phones now. But I can't. I can't do the big. This is the biggest. I can't do any bigger. The, the plus phones. Get out of here with that. Well, but the new 11s are like between are the iPhone now and plus size. Wait, there's an 11. Yeah, I'm thinking 12 because 12 is coming out soon. Oh dear. It's this. Can I just? <laughs> I have a seven, and it's really slow because yeah, they're, they're ratcheting them down right yeah they do se- that my seven officially like the earpiece i mean we work. say this we're going to be on apple Podcasts saying negative things about apple but we know right they 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 throttle your phones down yeah i think of all the people right now that apple in society care. is they're upset not, about we should not, target apple they're not threatened by us i think we could all get behind that let's talk i love apple what do you want to let's, target them? Let's target Apple right now in the discourse because that would throw all these other things off a little bit for a while and give us some relief. Let's just go after the tech company we all pay billions of dollars to. That keeps- but, I mean, they're not even the biggest – like Microsoft would be way more – you know. But that would be very disingenuous, Johnny, because you and I don't use Microsoft products besides software. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's a Microsoft world, John. Mm. Perhaps. Is it? I don't know. Apple's like 11 or 12% of the computer market. But it's 100% of my computer market. That's true. You know what I'm saying? So you're thinking more about yourself. And it has been for a long time. And we all know that anecdotal evidence is is king today. Yeah, it's true. So I will say my computer that we're recording this podcast on is a 2012. Mm -hmm. Actually, maybe 11. I can go right here to this nifty little Apple. I can tell you. Hold on. About this Mac, it is late 2011. Okay. Johnny, in 2011. That's almost nine years. Yeah, my my daughter in 2011 was three years old. I've been working on this computer, and I I replaced it with a solid-state terabyte drive, and it works like a peach except for – it does. It just works great. What have you done with uh, Sadie's drive since then? Have you – any upgrades to her? (laughs) <laughs> she's it's still like, she's still running the metaphor runs thin she's second generation that's so, interesting yeah, okay she's my daughter but yeah, uh, yeah no it's uh I, i'm still i still like it though though when i upgrade this yeah. version of garage band we obsolete that we record this in even if you don't like what we say we do get really good reviews about our sound quality i hated everything you said but it was so clear yeah <laughs> it was really clear to hear how much i hate you <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. Do yeah. we get reviews on the quality of our podcast? I've heard people tell me. Oh. Yeah. Just well, I to, think we've gotten some, I don't know. We've got some friends who do podcasts who tell us like, wow, you guys get good quality. And we can really still thank Dane Allen for that. That's true. He originally he, set yeah. up all the filters and the. Yeah. He set up, he's, he taught me. I do go in and do um, like, well, I, no, let's take it back. We do use another program called Zencaster mm-hmm. whenever we're doing remote. Which is Buddhist. So should we? It's. I don't think it's Buddhist. But Zen is a very the Buddhist term. Don't I don't know. I mean, huh? <laughs> and then we use. Uh, <laughs> it's just Johnny. Um. Yeah, but that's pretty much. It's very. Listen, Johnny. Our it's, podcast. It's no, the quality is about the content. It is. It's not about the bells and the whistles. Right. We've got a pair of ten dollars headphones on. No, I think these are pretty expensive headphones I'm wearing. Oh. And well, we have I've a, got a pair of $10 headphones on. Fairly, you have Beats by Dre. We have a fairly, just, I don't know, it's probably a middle road interface. And mm-hmm. you have an interface at your house if we have to do it remote. So we figured it out. We did. And we compress it, and then we compress it again. I compress it in two different oh, programs. Oh, you double compress. And I've learned, Dane taught me all the, like, compressor. I've looked for what levels, because sometimes you might speak louder into the mic. So we do, we do some... Uh, some editing, but it's all like someone taught me. It's like it's like I'm the guy on the island in Lost. Someone just taught me how to push the button. Was it a button? I don't. I never watched Lost. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't. You never watched Lost? Once I heard, first of all, people got into it and they were way too into it, and I was I was literally lost because I was like, I never. I'm way behind. And then once it ended. And people were so upset at the ending. I was like, well, I'm not going to watch this now. No one's going to be upset at this ending. You should go watch Lost. Man. I think that, you, listen, we could have, like, absolutely fascinating conversations. We could do another it. whole podcast about... A show that was 10, 15 years ago. Or whatever. People would probably listen to that, though. That's the thing. Niche is everything in podcasting. Law, is it niche? It's niche. Yeah. Lost niche. niche. I hear him say niche. Niche? That's a philosopher. It's a niche uh, If you go, listen... It's still, I will say this, uh-huh. you may not be disappointed with the ending. Only I was. 
No, a lot of people are. We're different people, Johnny. Uh, Everybody that I've talked to was disappointed with it. No, talk to the Gomez's. They loved it. Really? And they think that the rest of us don't understand what happened, and we think they don't understand what happened. And I think no one understands what happened, which is why I don't like it. Well, they put too many loose ends, and you have to tie it all together, and they were like, how are we going to tie this together? What are we going to do with all this? Yeah, it was a great, again, it's Mm -hmm. that classic, awesome premise that you're not sure where you're going to take it. you got to know where you're going to take it, Johnny. Or you got to keep being creative along the way. It's a super great show. I would go back and watch it. Maybe you should watch it at the same time that I watch it because I won't remember. We could do a like, watch along. It was like nine seasons, and then you know we could you know discuss episodes. This sounds like the worst episode podcast ever. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. That's the thing too. Like, I'm, we're watching so much stuff, and I wonder if it's just making us all boring. John, we should be out there living, but we can, we're not allowed, as well, you know. We're not allowed to go live right now. Did you watch so we're Space stuck Force, watching. by the way? I watched like four episodes. You didn't even finish it. I just, I, it wasn't very good. It got better. Maybe. All right, I'll finish I'm it. on episode 10. No, I finished it. I finished it season one last You don't time. even know <laughs> that you've watched it. Well, That's I thought how I was big going to have like six or eight episodes. End up having 10. I, I didn't yeah. look at the big yeah. picture. So Steve Carell's in like tons of stuff. He's in two Apple shows and in a movie and on that Netflix. I saw the movie. Was it good? Uh-huh. It's really good. What's it called? Um, Irresistible. Okay. I need to go watch that. It's really good. And uh, John Stewart directed. Huh. Um, and it's about a, it's about a uh, political uh, advisor. You know what? Yeah, I saw the previews. And uh, it's, I kind of expect, oh, this will be really kind of uh, progressive mindset, anti-whatever. Uh, but it really was, it was more even-handed than you would think. Do you, do you Especially remember the, the ending. Remember the old show with Michael, the old movie with Michael Keaton called Speechless? It's more like that than I, yeah. I, I immediately thought of that when I was watching. I was like, this is like that. Speechless was great. And was that was that based Gina on... Gina Davis? Was that who those... Gina Davis, Michael Keaton. And it's kind of loosely based on... The romance between James Carville and what was her name? I can't remember. There was another advisor to another campaign. Yeah. And they fell in love. Yeah. And so it's kind of loosely based on that. What would if two speechwriters for Rival ended up having a romance and then they. I actually think, I actually think plot lines like that are very helpful in, in the modern yeah. discourse because. Because if James Carville can do it, if he can get along. Yeah, well, I mean, it just reminds. Like we said, it's like the at the week, end of Rocky Four. If I can change and you can, can change, change, yo, Adrian. No, wait. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a. It really is so polarizing. We talk about the boogeyman a little bit. The boogeyman on both sides, mm-hmm. especially the boogeyman. Like I'm telling you, man. The For worst, some of us, it's an actual boogeyman because right. I take melatonin at night, and it makes me have really vivid nightmares. Do you? <laughs> You ever get nightmares from that? I don't. Okay, from, but go back to your boogeyman argument. Not from mel- melatonin. I just think when you're terrified, when like the worst insult you can throw at someone is another political party or another um, ideological side of the aisle. Yeah. Like, my gosh, you know. I, 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 we talked about this last week. You know, some of us in the Christian world who are listening to historians and theologians talk about issues of systemic race things i honestly didn't know were up for debate because i was a history guy like well yeah of course i know yeah. these things happen i'm learning more but like there is this fear-mongering kind of um insult that's being hurled that you're you're a marxist or a cultural marxist yeah or a socialist and i'm just like i do believe that there are far left radicals who want to be marxist or socialist and i don't agree with them um but like the idea that you just stumble into Marxism, right? Like you didn't, you don't know it, but you're a Mar- number one. It's super insulting to someone who's got a degree in history and political science, right? And you might have nuanced views that have layers to them. And they're like, no, nope, you want redistribution of wealth at all costs by the state, right? It, <laughs> like, because no. you because you acknowledge something yeah. systemic in the in the in the problem yeah. or in politics or in well, in the same way that people do it on the other side. They say if you, yep. you know. Uh, if you support Trump, then it's fascism, and he's you, or you're you, a you immediately compa- you compare him to Hitler. Yeah. When you don't agree with somebody, you compare him to Hitler. Yeah, it's like that's that's not helping anything. No, no, and like the whole, <laughs> I, I thought I don't think by definition you can stumble accidentally into Marxism because Marxism number one is atheistic. I mean, it's one of the hallmarks. I, st- I mean, I've studied these things mm-hmm. because I had to to go to school. But you're like, I would have to denounce Christ. 
I would have to denounce democracy. I would have to denounce capitalism. Like you, you would very like intentionally right. have to make a turn. I'm not saying that, you know, there's not some merit to uh, looking at where those things took communist China or communist Soviet Union countries, which were not coming out of democracies uh, at all, but were coming out of imperialistic regimes for the most part that were dynasties over time where you had – it's just like there's so many variables of comparing the two to just say to a conservative Christian, right. hey, because you're saying that you believe there may be some things within the system of our politics, within the system even of our churches right. – that may uh, have some leftover bias that we need to address, suddenly you're right. a Marxist. I mean, it's like, in it's a boogeyman thing. Yeah. Or even if you just want universal health care because you see it works in Canada and you're like, well, could we maybe look at this? And they're like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's a yeah. huge, like, yeah. no, if you get cancer, you should die penniless. Like, I don't, I think we can find some middle ground here. Yeah. You should have just had $100,000 in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> And then when you get the cancer diagnosis, you go draw it out and you pay for your treatment. It's that simple. Like, it's, it's I, I don't like that there's no nuance to any of these arguments. It's like either you're yeah. a completely dyed in the wool progressive who wants redistribution of wealth and a godless society, or you're a real American who wants to pull everything up by your bootstraps. And it's like, all right, come on, guys. Yeah. Some people don't have bootstraps. Yeah. And, and again, to, to even the, the conservative defense as well like every conservative trying to work this out is not a racist either right is they try to they try to find their way to hey it you know the black lives matter organization scares them they don't don't align politically i don't align politically and ideologically with everything within the organization and so understanding that there may be confusion between the fact that that is a a major expression being used and Mm -hmm. trying to separate again the great word is nuance there has to be nuance. I, somebody on Twitter yesterday, which again, Twitter is, takes me through all kinds of emotional things. It's hard to be on there right now. But you know, someone said, "Look, just you know, logically, the need to shut down ideas on any side, to shut down dialogue, can't be a good thing." Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I read or, or heard one scholar who's literally a PhD theologian from Southern Baptist Seminary. Uh, who's a a black author. And he said, you know, hey, guys, I just want you all to know, in scholarly academic worlds, 90% of what I read is by people I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. That's what we do in academia. You read dissenting opinion, yeah. And it helps us learn what our, instead of them being enemies, like this is just what it's like to have discourse and thought. Or sometimes they fall in love, because I just found this. James Carville, Mm -hmm. who was a, Famous Democratic yep, advisor yep. and consultant. Which campaign? Uh, Dukakis, Dukakis and then Clinton. But gotcha. Clinton, most famous for Clinton. Okay. Uh, Carville is married to a Republican political consultant, Mary Matlin. I was going. I wanted to say Marley Matlin. I was like, no, that's the deaf actress. But I knew it was close. It's Mary Matlin, uh, who worked for J- George H. W. Bush on his '92 presidential reelection campaign. So they were married in New Orleans in '93. So this is right on the heels. Of Bush losing in 92 to Clinton. Wow. And they got married the next year. Wow. So it really was speechless. It was yeah. that that's, I mean, a hundred percent what that movie was based on pretty much. I mean, obviously they took license, but yeah, that it could happen mm. where you could have a rival that you're also in love with. And you're like, are you going to like kibosh their campaign? Wasn't, isn't, uh, well, yeah, I mean, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a staunch Republican. Right. To, and to a can, one of the Kennedys. Yeah. Who is, or was, yeah. Now they're divorced. Did they? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. So it, politically, then this love... That's story. right. It doesn't go on forever, John. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make another... another uh, no, I mean, I, do, I, do, I, I just think, like, I will say this. Mm-hmm. It's hard, I think, again, guys, guys, I'm sorry. I'm not a Marxist. Like, and it's, it's super... That's exactly what a Marxist would well, say. Well, no, it's John. not. Like, a oh, Marxist right. would say, oh, I understand these ideas, and, like, you can't stumble... You can stumble into liberal ideas, I suppose, not realizing, but there's a difference between that and suddenly, I will just, I will say this about it. I've seen like tons of videos where this is the term, specifically with the term white privilege. It's a, someone's, someone says, well, of course white privilege exists. You know, privilege exists in all kinds. They all agree. Uh Of course, there's something that exists that's an unconscious bias or you have something in your life. 
And then the, in 30 seconds, the turn is made to this. But it's racist to hold an entire race of people responsible for racism. That is racist, to which I agree. Mm-hmm. But I've not heard anybody, Christian, non-Christian, anyone who's like seriously in academia use the term white privilege to try to hold all white people responsible for this. Right. That's just the, that's a big leap. But that's the leap. And then within another 30 seconds, I've heard this on multiple things, they're talking about Marxist Russia and genocide. Mm-hmm. Like they're talking about what happened in the Soviet Union and, and how and, – and you go – and within two minutes, you took an idea that I don't even agree with and you weaponized it to say it means one thing. I, I mean I'm sure there are people on the far left who may want to hold all people responsible. I'm not hearing – out of the black Christian community or black academic Christian community, I'm not hearing that. Right, vengeance and revenge. Yeah, and- I'm hearing a, hey, and again, this is the whole definition of justice and injustice too. Like, we're not talking about, no one I'm listening to or reading historically is talking about granting something to someone that they don't deserve. Yeah. The definition of injustice is that someone does deserve something, all people deserve this, and someone is not they're being denied something they do deserve. We're not talking about adding something to them they don't. We're talking about removing a hindrance to something that's causing in, causing them to not experience what all Americans should experience, and and being okay to say, hey, that's just that's that's bringing up to equality, which is uh, you know, it's it's an equality versus like an equity, which is a, a, a an equal outcome. I don't think we can cause equal outcomes. We can cause equal opportunity in where we see those things. You know, again, for example, show me that. And I told you this at lunch. I heard a guy say he graduated from UNC Chapel Hill. Yeah. And uh, just one example, they have a legacy program for scholarships. It's like a game changer for families that if your dad, your granddad, your great granddad went to that university, then you get like this extremely beneficial package of scholarships and other things that if you qualify for it. Right. Well, he said, you know, my grandfather may have gone to this school, but the school didn't allow black students to even be admitted till the late fifties. And so there is no such thing in that program as a black student's grandfather being allowed to have that opportunity. Yeah. Like, so there is a benefit and advantage being given simply because of the color of one's skin, because but he said, no one's standing at the gates of the school with, with an M16 trying to shoot black people. That's what, if you think that's what racism only is, then you're missing. This is what I mean by systemic. There's no like, there's no one in that administration probably meaning harm by that, but there may be something left yeah, over. That there's a you, remnant of that. If you think it over policy. logically, like, Hey, that does benefit. Uh, the grandson of a white guy in a way it does not benefit the grandson of a black guy if both of them are equally um, qualified while their scores or other things to be admitted to that school. And so like you just go, I'm not offended by that. I can look at that logically. There's no emotion in that for me mm-hmm. to say, okay, you know, but that doesn't mean that that we're trying to grant something that wasn't deserved. Like what we're trying to say is let's let's make this where if something – equally deserved is not being given that it's taken away. And so like, I don't think you can back into Marxism is where I started with this. You can though, by fear back into a lot of other things where you're not paying attention. If, if fear and as a believer, yeah, we absolutely know. I mean, I'm, dude, I'm a fearful guy. Like it's a, one of the things well, I'm it's in just easy for. to drive the electorate through fear. It's been happened uh, many elections. Oh yeah. You know, so it's easier to back into fascism than would it, would it be to back into a progressive uh, extreme ideology. Right. It's easier to be like hoodwinked into, wait a minute, now we're in a weird cult that we didn't know. Like I com- we were talking at lunch yeah. and I was comparing it to like, you go to a church, you're like, well, this church is interesting. Man, they're like a family here. Yeah. Man, they dress all the same. That's interesting. Well, that one rule is kind of weird, but I guess I can go along. And then you look up later and you're like, I'm in a cult. Like, <laughs> right. That's easier to fall into yeah. to me. Uh, having like a leader at the top that's unquestionable, et cetera, that fascism is that thing that like, I mean, it happened in Nazi Germany. They didn't think that like, oh, this is where we're headed. Everybody just thought, what an enigmatic leader. Right. Well, (laughs) let's not forget that he was the man of the year on the cover of Time magazine. Hitler was at one point. We're not comparing, by the way, all conservatives to Hitler. I know we just said we don't do that. I'm saying like, but we understand, and I'm speaking to this as a conservative, 
if, if, you know, you and I were talking last week after the podcast, like, it, does it feel like we pick on the conservative side more? Yeah. The reason is, is we are conservatives. Yeah. I mean, and I think come that, from that. that was the quote, too, uh, that I read last week. It said, I love America so much, which is why I insist on criticizing her. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, that's part of being an American is critique. That's what that's one of the things that if you want to say what made America great, the ability to have dissent yeah. and not go to jail for it yeah. is part of what makes America great. Um, and so the people who just go, shut up, just do what just do what they say or you don't or you're not a real patriot. The, the realist patriot is probably the most critical. Well, hello, the pa- the original patriots. OK, the original ones where those terms come from. Yeah, they're constitutional conventions lasted for months and months and months of heavy debate over states rights versus federal over these anti-federalist papers and stuff and federalist papers they were brutal Mm -hmm. i mean brutal attacks upon one another and these guys governed together they didn't all have these perfect relationships but to understand that 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 tension is a part of what is necessary because the government is not the kingdom of God. It's just not. And so you can't expect it to have some sort of um, deified righteousness that can't be questioned. Yeah. Like if it is designed, literally checks and balances, balance of powers, the Bill of Rights, all of these things are designed to keep a questioning process in place. Because those guys knew where not questioning led to. They'd come out of monarchy. They'd come out of an abuse of power. And they were terrified of centralizing that power. And so that's why it, it all turns they constantly invited that sort of, of, of dialogue. Now, I will say Washington at his farewell address, he did warn about two things. Even there, he wasn't like, hey, America's great. Like, he, America's great. And let me warn you about what will not make America great anymore. It's actually two things he warned about. We studied all throughout history. Well, number one, alien invasion. No. <laughs> Rule no. Num- what number one was in what he called entangling alliances. Okay. And he meant let's not get involved in all of the world, the global affairs. Let's not be involved in every European war or yeah. Because at that point, you know, again, Which France, we've had mixed results with yeah our entangled alliances since then. Yeah. Well, again, that that. Again, isolationism has its own negativity. Right, that's true. You allow right I mean, atrocities to go on. Nazism was an obvious enemy that the whole world knew eventually. But, yeah. but let's be honest, we were so still gun shy from World War One, and rightly so. That that's why the U.S. I mean, Germany was already taking. They've been thirty-seven, thirty-eight. They're invading and in, in mm-hmm. this appeasement policy. And once Britain was involved, if you see that whole, it wasn't like. You know, Franklin Roosevelt was able just to get everybody on board. There was a huge anti-war sentiment. And even though Churchill was begging and we were supplying, you know, it, it took a few things happening. For, just like World War I did, too, by the way, the sinking of the Lusitania and the killing of American soldiers by German U-boats. And so, you know, you have this like this, – this need in both cases, Pearl Harbor, Lusitania. You had these reasons for the United right. States to, to kind like of Like a fuse that. was lit. Yeah. yeah. But then the second thing he warned against was parties, political parties. He warned specifically against like an, a political, a two-party political system that that would really because he he saw it happening mm-hmm. already with federalists and anti-federalists, and then you know obviously Republicans didn't come along until you know mid nineteenth century, uh, early nineteenth century, and and they're kind of not what you would think of as today that they'd be the opposite of the Republican Party you think of today, but it, it's just a it's an interesting idea that he was already warning there wasn't there wasn't such a sense of exceptionalism except that we have fought for something we believe in and guys obviously we know that it was not a a freedom that was granted to all men and certainly not to women either so there were people who were disenfranchised from those original thoughts of liberty and by the way and just everyone knows if you read historically they were aware that there was an awareness that it was it, it, it well maybe perhaps tragic irony so much talk of liberty for all and for all men there was so many that's why it's called the three-fifths compromise because there was a lot of debate it required a compromise to tax um the 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 it, it's like this i read this in one of the books the north didn't want to count 
let, uh, to allow the slaves in the South to be counted in the population numbers because it would grant more representation to yeah. Southern states and they would have more power. And so there was like one argument to grant slaves status so that you could count them in the census and you'd have that many more in the House of Representatives, which would tip the political balance of power to the South over the North. The South didn't want to count slaves as full people because then their taxation would change. Yeah. And so now we're going to owe more taxes on more people. And so they, they, the three-fifths compromise helped both of them. So it wasn't like that it was just the North always wanted slaves to be free. Uh, it was a, we're not sure we want you to count them. And they came to this, con- this, this oh. horrible compromise of humanity that basically devalued black lives to say they're three-fifths because this way we both get what we want. You know, we, you don't get extra representation and we don't get extra taxes and everybody, you know, gets what they want. But that, that's all a part of, of the debate about what liberty really meant for all people. And for the most part, it meant white land-owning males. And it had throughout even Europe, you know, it was, it was based on – they were just kind of continuing that. But there were people who were, who were saying early on, this is not – this doesn't make sense. Right, it's not sustainable. Especially chattel-based slavery, which is not European-based slavery. Um, certainly not Roman slavery, which is usually based upon conquering. It wasn't based upon race in, in, in the same way. Mm-hmm. Racism existed, but it wasn't – slavery wasn't always based upon that. That you own a person who cannot you know, fend for themselves. Uh, that even – there's a lot of that that came into this um, – this – it's – paternal like this really twisted paternal relationship that the south thought they had with their black slaves Mm -hmm. and that they can't that's when they dehumanized them and now they consider them less intelligent you know not able there was a lot of that you had to convince yourself medically psychologically scholastically that they could not achieve what white people could achieve so they need us this, this benevolent paternal right. thing they need right. they the wouldn't white know what to masters. do off the plantation right. yeah and they even uh, when slaves occasionally did gain their freedom there was movements from north and south to um, ship them back to Africa because they thought they could not survive in our white society here but it was considered like a grace like huh. mercy to ship them back to Africa and also by the way considered a, a missionary endeavor to now have them they've been exposed to Christianity and to send them back into savage lands to spread the gospel like it's such a, a weird mm, mix mess, up. of what it was but whatever it was we're not going to deal with it we can never we can never as a nation before the civil war fully all accept that there could be full equality and i just think it goes back to that idea if you don't think there's not a lot still in our in our i mean that's that is a part of the founding of the nation and i can love the nation and say hey that that's there that's a stain on the thing yeah Yeah. and it's okay for us to continue to acknowledge that especially when somebody's that's their history we have a close friend you know who posted about his history the other day if you saw that yeah it goes all the way back maternal and and paternal and he was like, this is not hate or something. I'm just telling you my right. great-great-grandfather was born on a plantation and here's was, mm-hmm. he was this was his name and this is, you know, when, you know, his his son also born into slavery and you just go. Yeah, it's context and the the need for our country to be perfect is weird in and of itself and I'm not sure exactly where that even came from. Yeah. Because you wouldn't expect that of anything else. Like you wouldn't expect your family to be perfect. Right. I mean, you grow up with this belief that like, Mom and dad have my best interests. And then you grow up and you start realizing they're people, they have flaws, they're selfish sometimes. Yeah. And then you just come to an acceptance and then hopefully you move on to a healthy relationship with that parent. Sometimes it's not possible. But hopefully that doesn't mean you hate your family. It just means you have context, you know. Well, I think as a marriage counselor, and even with Sadie, we talk about this, you know, Sadie... We're married 20 years this year, and she'll hear us argue. Mm-hmm. And it really will bother her sometimes. We've never tried to hide arguing from her. But we don't argue a lot. We just don't, you know. But when we do, sometimes they're significant. <laughs> and kids will be like, well, I, just, I, don't, I hate this argument. Right. And we take Does that moment. Does this mean things are broken? Right. We take that moment. That this, is mean, this, this is what it's like to really be married. Yeah. And we, we never go to bed mad. And you're going to help us clean up this glass. Right. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of it. Yeah, go get the broom. Get the big dustpan. Yeah. But like this idea that if you don't, here's what's happened. I've, I've seen too many marriages. 
if you don't make healthy tension mm-hmm. and conflict resolution intentionally a part of your relationship, you're asking for when it finally boils over. Right, and it always does. You end up destroying the very thing you thought you were preserving with all of this fake yeah. peace. Right. It is. It's a fake peace. And it's uh, that's the whole thing about being uh, peaceful versus like a peacemaker. Like this idea that just go along and get along is the American way. It's like everything in our history says that's not even close. No. Even we talked about that in the way that we think about Martin Luther King. And, well, it was all peaceful. And eventually his peaceful way of thinking just they gave in. It's like oppressors don't give up. No. Because of like there was there was a there was a put up or shut up in those protests. There was violence in those protests. There was uh, there were things that got out of control, and so it's like, but that, that's all kind of been washed away. And we're just like, like they just organized a bunch of sit-ins, and then the white people finally were like, okay, you win. That's not how it happened at all. Not at all. In fact, they they were peaceful, but they were also intentionally. Uh, read this the disruptive they're disruptive right they were meant to disrupt yeah the status quo so peaceful yes but um not meant to be out of your way they were meant to cause trouble yeah so that you would have to look at the at the issue and let's not forget most of the the, the major civil rights legislation that passed didn't pass until he himself had to be assassinated yep. you know like and 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 like then riots erupted i'm not pro-riot i'm just saying you know if it was me, I think if we could just ask that question, we talked about that at lunch too. If I could just ask the question and I've sat with a few friends, a few black friends, and I'm, I'm trying to sit with more. And I know one black person's experience or one white person's experience does not speak for the entire right. uh, you know, ethnicity of those people. They don't speak for everybody. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not insinuating that. And I do think that anecdote, because you'll go find somebody who disagrees of both colors, like you will. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not saying we just take one person. I'm just saying when you see mounting evidence of, okay, here it is academically, here it is historically, uh, here it is theologically. And now I'm speaking with friends whom I trust, whom I've known for years, and I've never asked these questions before. And I'm finding out that so far, everyone I've talked to has had a different American experience than me. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they didn't rise above. Doesn't mean they even feel necessarily like that they haven't had opportunity. Just that, like Reggie told us on the call, just that I never had to teach, I'm never going to teach my kid about making sure if you get pulled over, you do these things right. because there's a different level of anxiety. And I've, I've, I've never in my life, and I've had talked to a friend recently, had cops use racial slurs at me, and he has. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has, and he has no reason to, to lie to me. We're fellow believers, he's, and he's never said it before. He's not trying to go online and make a big stink about it. Like, he's just saying, look. Since you asked, yeah, mm-hmm. let me tell you the eight times this happened to me, and and it was a lot of different things, um, and I'm 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 not ready to share all of that, but I'm like l- trying to listen, and I go, look, if I care about my friend, it shouldn't be so offensive, it, it should there should be no offense here to say, wow, this is uncomfortable, but why can't I listen to, to my friend, and if I don't have a friend, you know, maybe what does that say? It may not say anything, but maybe I'm not hearing real people, um, and. Maybe there's something here, like empathy is a big, a huge component of the gospel because empathy was like the impetus of the incarnation. It was Jesus could just divinely cause himself to know everything that you and I know, which he does because he's omniscient. He could cause him, but he never chose divine empathy. He never chose to divinely bypass the process of feeling what we feel mm-hmm. he could have he's god he could be like oh i now magically snap my fingers and i feel everything johnny feels instead he never chose that path though he could have he chose the path of true empathy which is i'm going to come walk next to you i'm going to come feel what you feel i'm going to know what it's like to sneeze and to be sleepy and to i'm going to know what it's like to have a cold to be rejected i'm going to know what it's like to feel lust i'm going to feel all these things with you because and that and if you especially the book of john it's all considered to be the love of god 
But God so loved the world that the word of God became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. Like him dwelling among people was the grandest expression of grace and truth. Like even God himself would not proclaim certain truths until he had experienced those truths for himself next to the people that he was speaking of. Mm -hmm. He just wouldn't. I think that he could have, but he didn't. And like, if we're going to follow in those footsteps to say there's a humility and I'm sorry, if Jesus was humble and if that, if that messes with our theology, then we're not reading the Bible. Hebrews is explicit about it, that he humbled himself and became obedient to God's will for his own life. Even taking the Bible says the position of a slave is what some uh, translations say. He became a bond servant. He became a servant. The reason Peter was so ticked off at Jesus whenever he washed everybody's feet was, is they still believed that greatness and power was the expression of godliness or of what man should seek in life. And Jesus kept turning it all on its end and said, no, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit here on my knees and I'm going to wash your feet and I'm going to do this though I'm the master. I'm going to do this though I'm the greatest one. And so those of us who are not the master and the greatest one, how much more should we not be willing to humble ourselves and say, man, can I not just sit at somebody's feet for a minute and not have to counterbalance all of their viewpoints with my own opinions and just like really kind of try to hear what's happening here without my entire world being rocked? Because in my opinion, it's the essence of the gospel to do so. They may say things I disagree with. They're not forcing me to agree with something. I still have a brain and a heart and a community and a Bible. I get to keep learning and listening. It's if, if I'm so at a place of insecurity, I can't even endure the conversation, then I think that's when we back into fear-mongering and into ignorance. We back into something we don't realize we're doing because we're not taking in ideas. Yeah, yeah. You, you extrapolate like, well, if they believe this and if I give them this, then they're gonna, I, it's going to keep going down the line until yeah. I've given away my linchpin beliefs. It's like just walk with somebody, just grieve with somebody who's grieving yeah. and then see where it gets you. Yeah. We're so afraid of it, though. Yeah, and I think empathy is hard, and and I'm not sure it can. I'm not even sure it can be taught. Like that's the thing. That's the hard part. Is I think some people just don't seem to be wired. That we talked about that before in like bully culture. Yeah, like we're learning now. Like we used to always be told, well, bullies are people who just have insecurity, and you know they 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 have bad feelings about themselves. And that's why they project it on other people. And now we're learning. The more we learn about. Uh, children, the way they interact with other children, and that, it even goes into adulthood, that we're just learning, like, some people just lack empathy, and they feel pretty good about themselves. Yeah. So, it's like... Yeah, bullies and have now they have, And now they have social media accounts. <laughs> well, and that desensitizes us culturally way more, because mm-hmm. I'm not looking at someone's face when I, when I do Right. It. Hey, the good thing about empathy is... I think it, it does. It leads you to... You can become a bully, even oh, yeah. if you weren't one, with social media. I mean, I think I've been guilty of it before. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, well, I've got the best words. I know how to take this person down a peg, and I probably should have just not hit send. Yeah. You know? Well, and somebody, uh, we were talking about a post they were thinking about making in the middle of it, and we had a conversation, and, and I said, hey, tell me, why why do you want to post it? Because mm-hmm. we all are feeling, and he goes, you know, I'm not sure I really asked. Well, let's think about why. And, and he said, because I was frustrated. I said, well, man, maybe it's still the right thing to post, but I'm going to tell you something. In my life, I have learned when I post frustrated, now look. Posting frustrated over justice, if I'm doing that, I try, I've tried to post right. what is compassionate, what is true. If I can see something that is, is undeniably true, and I try to post also the opinions of those who are ahead of me in this and who are, who are greater experts than me. So I'm doing my best because there's times I've almost written things that, like you said, would just blow this up because I'm mad. Yeah. I just want to go, oh, I want to blow it up. And everybody's blowing it up. And and, 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 and everybody feels like what they're posting is true, probably. Yeah. You don't go, well, this is a big lie, but let's get it out there. No, I know. And by, tr- again, oh, man, true is a, is a dangerous word here. Yeah. I think I mean, like, here's what I know. Verifiable. George Floyd's neck and airway apparently was crushed. But by my visual, no matter, I'm telling you, when I'm watching And by here, two autopsy reports, right? Too. I'm looking here going, regardless of whatever else comes out of this thing politically, that was a tipping point of experience for me. I experienced that video. Yeah. I didn't take someone else's commentary. I experienced it. It moved me to both tears and action. 
that's true for me. Like going, I, I can't, yeah. I can't unsee and I can't unfeel that. And I think that anybody, I've not met one person that thought it was the right thing. Mm-hmm. Even those who are like absolutely against the cause, <laughs> uh, you know, they're like, yeah, that shouldn't have happened. But, but no one is saying that that was the right thing to happen. So I, I know we talk about a lot, like the testimony of your enemies. If you're, if you're with an opponent and you both agree to a certain point that you know it's true, because if no one, again, if we, if we, uh, what's the example that we've used before? Like if I'm arguing with you and we completely disagree ideologically on mm-hmm. something, um, but you say, you know, you quote me as yeah. my enemy, then there's no doubt the quote, if I agree with it is true because both of us are now agreeing on separate sides of at least evidence in the middle. Yeah. And there's something really strong about that. So everybody's agreeing that that should not have happened. Now, whether or not it happened for one bad cop or there's systemic issues in policing or whether or not it just, you know, like whether or not because if, if he had drugs in the system that that, you know, gave the police, like there's so many debates that we're all going to, but we can all say this one cop went too far. And in that moment, okay, there's a common ground I can post about to say, hey, this moves me and this is important and we should listen, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that, that's a truth. I, I'm not going to, you know, and it's not that we don't post things that aren't controversial controversial may be the right thing to post i'm caught in that right now like i sent you something this week that was great <laughs> and you said retweet it coward <laughs> oh yeah yeah because we text each other things i think everybody has a friend now that they text things that they're afraid to retweet or they're afraid to share be it because it's a little bit maybe it has a curse word in it or maybe it's a, well i believe i agree with this but i don't want to share this part of it but then this was something that we're like yeah, we're pretty much both on board with this, but this is like one of those things where I was like, share it then if you believe it so much, John. I was just like busting your chops, though. Well, no, but I said to you, I do feel like a coward. Yeah. And the deal is I am i don't believe social – I think – I said this a hundred times. I'm saying it again. Social media is a great place for good messaging. It's not a place for good conversations. Yeah. I believe books and podcasts for what I – and possibly sermons – they're longer form, and it gives us a chance to... Your sermons are super long form. Super long form. <sighs> it gives us it. a chance to, like, give context, hear yeah. inflection, all those things. So I took that, put it into my notes, in my OneNote, mm-hmm. and I'm using that for some book things and other things. Like, I'm not sure... And the other, the other hard part is, is you might go back... That person might have said something that was very, very true and right, mm-hmm. and you might go back two tweets from there and they said something that was horrible right and now which suddenly, happens all the time happens all the time where you look like you've endorsed a person now right by sharing their tweet by sharing an idea that was right yeah you know something we say in our house a lot i think andrew taught me this is that all truth is god's truth mm-hmm. that you know hey look if a prostitute walks into our church on a sunday morning and holds up john three sixteen and starts preaching the gospel most of us won't listen to her but it doesn't mean the gospel wasn't true yeah you know what I'm saying? Like what she's saying is true. And so there, I'm not saying that uh, her situation may be, that was probably a, a bad example because I, I think also a lot of what we see in prostitution is something not like people are just jumping into because they want to. Right. But there's a lot going on there. So excuse my insensitivity to that. But I mean, like if someone comes in who you know yeah. is not where they should be, we how many, let's, let's use a better example. How many preachers out there that were, you know, put up on a pedestal and when they fell, it's so easy to stop believing everything they ever said. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean what they said wasn't right. You know? Yeah. It just means, and, and it does though. I'm that guy. Uh, there've been songwriters, man. Uh, it's hard. So, really hard with songwriters when they go off. And there's some, there's some great Christian songs. I know there's a band I won't mention now that I love, you know, one of their records had just some amazing, and, and he just proclaimed atheist now. He's denied all of his faith. And you mm-hmm. go, um, can I listen to this music anymore? And like, I can't, I've tr- I've had trouble. I've had trouble listening to that music now that still is familiar and comforting to me because it feels like to me, those, those lyrics didn't hold for that guy. And truth is he may not even written the lyrics. You know what I'm saying? We don't yeah. know he was an artist. And so I think we also grant so much, um, ethical capital to artists as well. Yeah. You know, anyway, but that's another, that's another podcast. Ethical, Charlie. ethical capital. Wow. Dot com. That's our new, a domain our new name. band name. <laughs> um, hey, I was looking through this week and I uh, wanted to give a shout out to our patrons. We did get an email. We mentioned 
possibly doing another Zoom call, and we had one of our patrons reach out and say that they would be interested. Thanks and, for patronizing us, yeah. you guys. You can go to our Patreon page. You can find it at talkaboutthatpodcast.com. And, uh, you we, sent them gifts. I think you should send them some of these pork rinds. I do have pork rinds. They're still in a chair at the foot of your desk. I will tell all of you patrons that uh, your gifts are coming via media mail. And oh, that, boy. that could take a little longer. So Somebody's don't, a cheapskate. Yeah, if, if you're one of the... Uh, the low talkers, we just we say thanks. That's I think that's the five dollar a month. But was it the walkie talkie? That's the twenty dollar a month where you get the book <laughs> and the DVD. You had to come up with little kitschy names. Have you ever read all the names? I don't. You read them one time on the air. Did I? Yeah. Oh, Are you it was sure? fantastic. Oh, but I, you don't think that it's helped? No. That people? No, I think it. I think people support. Uh, we do appreciate the support, and your pork rinds are gingerly on their way. Gingerly on their way. I'm trying to see what the tiers are here. The low quick. talker. Yeah, you got the low talker. I thought that the things I wrote with are pretty funny, but hey, no, it's fine. You just write your descriptions. You know, the walkie-talkie, that's 20. You are the feet beneath our wings. Wait. I don't know where that came from. Oh, walkie-talkie, yeah. Oh. The pep talker, $50 a month. We will literally build a human pyramid in your honor. Well, that's not literally. You get two John Driver books, one Johnny W CD and one Johnny W DVD if you're a pep talker. And then you got the big, you got the hill, the big talker, hundred dollars a month, which is we hear you, the whole world hears you. I've got some old out of print, uh, comedy CDs that I have in my garage. I need to send those to some people. Okay, because they're not even that's not even a thing anymore. Wow. That's from like early on. Wow, some some jokes I don't even do anymore. So, mm. but mm. that I don't even know what that. How, no, because how offensive were, are they? Oh my gosh, I got edgy. Oh Johnny was so blue back then. Guys. I was, and uh, that was before I got saved. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> part of my testimony, and now it's it's preserved on CD form. I gotta get Sadie doing your jokes and send them to you. She does. She'll just drop punch Johnny W punchlines now at random. <laughs> okay, at dinner and stuff. You I know? like it. Yeah, I need it because I miss I miss the. Uh, it's been four over four months now wow. since I've been performing regularly. I'm sorry, and uh, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, the end is. I don't want to say the end is near because wow. that sounds dark. Yeah. Sounds- the end is near, my friends. I got a sandwich board on. I, the I had to do one of your jokes at a family reunion because my father, you had to, John. Father in law was like, "Yeah, Johnny has a joke about conjoined twins," and and, he, and I was like, "Okay, okay." He was like, "It goes," and he looked at oh, me. Oh, and he was going to butcher I, it. So I, I did it. Oh, I mean, I didn't. Do, I didn't try to do it like it was a bit. I just said the words in the way that I know that you say them. <laughs> I think how you say them. So this my was- father was a conjoined twin. We used to refer to his brother as my uncle on my father's side. Uh, Did I get it word for word? You say you say my dad. Did you, you say my dad. I was, said father. You said father both times. We used to refer. Oh, you said my dad then father. Then father, because so otherwise you're, the word. you're tipping the bit a little bit. It's yeah. just a little bit of a okay. twist. Maybe I don't. Maybe, I may have said dad. So my dad was a conjoined twin. There you go. We used to refer to his him. brother as my uncle on my, my father's side because you said yeah okay. And then I did that. They, they were surgically separated, so now he's my uncle, uncle once removed. removed. Thanks, good night. Boom. Uh, then yeah. you get out on the high. Da, yeah. da, da, and I picked up a piece of cake in that tent and I just walked off. It was really? Like, See, I got in the car and drove back to Tennessee. That's what you do so, every yeah. time. <laughs> uh, make sure that you check out Johnny on social media. Mm. Instagram is a good Oh, and TikTok now, too, John. Oh, and TikTok. You don't stop uh, to the. Sorry, I'm going 90s. That's fine. A little Color Me Bad yeah. with two Ds. Oh, my goodness. Color Me Bad. What a mess. Yeah. Just guys, just white dudes wearing suits that were three times, three sizes too big. Yeah. They invented a lot of things. Like, Did they? Well, can I say this? The I Want to Sex You Up was not a... Well, is that a thing? Like, that wasn't a thing before then. It, it still is. It didn't even stick. But everybody's no, suddenly, no, now it's... that's. Do they that's say that? I still don't hear that in common culture vernacular. I hear it in my house. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Johnny's happily married, everybody. I am very happily married. It's fine. It's fine. But we can say whatever we want. We don't have kids. That's true. I can be like, hey, girl. You can say whatever you want. Yep. My goodness. I don't, though. Generally okay. speaking, you got a temperance. Someone on our staff said the other day, we were talking about how language changes and trying to make sure you say the right thing and mm-hmm. how frustrating that can be. And she said, and I thought it was so good. I'll give her credit. It was Allison. Allison said, you know what we decided in our house? Really measuring and paying attention to our words, even when no one's around, is a really good thing. Yeah. 
that that just helps us. That that's a good that's a good thing as a disciple to do. Yeah. To just make sure I'm always paying attention to my words is a good thing. I was like, huh, that was really good, Allison. Way to go, Allison. Thank you. That stuck with me. So, Allison, you should consider Patreon. You know, with this big shout out. So I can't wait till she listens to this. It'll be great. So I can't wait for you to listen as well, uh, listener, because this is Monday and and we are excited to offer you this episode. What is it, Johnny? 152. I think it's episode. Hold on, boy. Episode 119. 119. Yeah, 119. So, hey, we're, you know, getting up there to 120, bro. And you know what happens at 120? I know. I don't either. No one knows. Nothing at all. I'm just going to go in perpetuity here and see what happens. So. But I uh, appreciate you listening always. It really does mean a lot. Send us your comments, your questions, anything you want us to talk about. And uh, we'll be happy to try to discuss it on the air. We'll just see you next week on Talk About That. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.